Well, hi there and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are around Australia or around the world. I appreciate the time that you take out of your day, your week to tune into the podcast. Tonight, I've got PK and Pultz joining us to co-host this great show. We talk about last week's golf, but more importantly, we talk about the Solheim Cup. Yes, the two teams, the European team and Team USA take on each other head to head in Andalusia in Spain. And we've got Darren Bragg from Team Bushnell. He's on the ground at the course looking after both teams with the Bushnell product. So we crossed live to Darren and we've recorded that. And we've also got a heap of questions that Pultz gets from his prolific Instagram profile. It's a long show, but a fun show. We cover off a heap of stuff. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Gentlemen, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As you heard me say in the intro, I above me on the uh, YouTube screen, not YouTube, the Zoom screen I've got here, I've got uh, Dave Pult- Poulton, and below me I've got Phil Keth- Kethel. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for uh, for joining me. Um, Dave, I'll go to you first. How are you, mate? You well? Good, Roscoe. Thanks for having me again. Oh, thanks for, thanks for supporting me. Um, I've got to say, oh, Phil, how are you? You well? Yep. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me as well, Roscoe. Oh, thanks for thanks for coming back to your show, um, mate. It must be must be warm up there in Sydney. You've got the short sleeveless sleeves on. Yeah, it's been over over thirty degrees the last couple of days, so it's um it's still quite warm, and you know even even late at night it's still warm. So that is the beautiful part of this great country. Look at Pultz and I. We're sitting down here in Victoria, hoodies on. I've got that M Log hoodie on. What what are you sporting up there, uh, Pultz? You've got the Bite Hard Golf hoodie on. No doubt a giveaway from the Giveaway Kings. Um, and you're up there in your sleeveless tank top with the biceps on display. Unbelievable. If you're wondering uh, why we missed last week, and I apologise, it's very rare that we miss a week uh, in the current podcasting uh, feverish, hungry climate. Thanks for sticking with us for missing last week. You can probably hear um, the voice is a bit croaky. I don't put this voice on for effects of uh, audio or radio. I'm not auditioning for any voiceover jobs. I'm actually sick i was very sick last week in tasmania i'm um, speaking about Tas- you know, weather and different climates i saw snow last week in uh, in tasmania it was um, tw- two times uh so it's probably not unexpected that i got some sort of cold and flu and driving around tasmania it's a beautiful state it's a if you haven't been to tasmania and uh for anything other than going to Barnboogle or Cape Wickham, which is Tasmania and King Island, uh, do yourself a favour and travel around and, and go and see that beautiful state because it is unbelievable. You'll see so much uh, different landscape than you'll see on the mainland and it's all condensed within a three or four hour drive from most parts of the Tasma- of Tasmania from top to bottom, east to west, north to south. Yeah, you'll see it. And if, if you end up in Bruni Island in shorts and T-shirt in the morning and end up in Cape well- uh, Mount Wellington, which is the mountain that overlooks Hobart, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it'll be 2 degrees and you might see some snow. It was insane. But anyway, that was where I was last week. Uh, no internet, no voice, and uh, barely got a voice. So thanks for sticking with us. What that meant is that we missed covering off some of the tournaments the week before and doing the previews for this week. The Irish Open was the one that we missed. Vincent Norman, uh, stellar young uh, Swede again. He won that. It's a bit of a thing for Swedes at the moment. Uh, Foxy came third. You're obviously going to get to Foxy because Foxy backed up this week winning the BMW. How good was Foxy winning the BMW? We love Foxy on this show. We've talked up Foxy a lot. The Fox Tracker is live on My Love of Golf. 
I've only met Foxy just once briefly. I introduced myself to him, said, Ryan, big fan, love your work. That was pretty much it. Um, how did you guys spend watching the BMW P, uh, PGA at uh, Wentworth? Uh, I'm not sure. I was, I was amazed that he won. Um, from the position he started in, making triple early in the day, I'm not sure there's many people that would make triple on the Sunday and still get the job done, but I think it was about eight under in the last 15 holes. Phenomenal. And he paid... Um, Mentioned his mind coach, Roscoe. He did. He did credit uh, Carl Morris um, substantially with the work that he's done with Carl uh, for the last number of years. And uh, when we interviewed Carl in February this year, uh, I don't think we really talked about Ryan there as much, but, you know, in the post and pre-chat, you know, um, Carl and I mentioned the work that he does with uh, Foxy and, you know, he just, Holds uh, Ryan Fox in the highest regard, and anyone that's doing you know serious commitment to you know mental performance, I think it's pretty proven that it does pay dividends in their in their game. Um, you know, it's an asset to have you know your mind game. If you're an amateur out there that struggles from you know mental lapses in your golf game, you know, and you know what you're talking, you know what we're talking about, you know, standing over the ball, the self talk, um, you know, the little repeating uh, misses that keep to come, you know, keep popping back in, especially for club golfers that turn up to the same golf week in, week out, you know, oh, I don't like this hole, this is my bad hole, all of that sort of stuff at the very basic level that's far more complicated and complex and I'm not the expert. You know, I'll leave that to Jamie Glazier and Cole Morris's and that sort of thing. Um, it's such a important part of your game to work on. And, um, you know, we've all got some friends that probably should benefit from it and could. Um, the, the the thing for me is in spending that time with Jamie, um, doing the podcast and, and the membership site and all of the stuff that I learned from him, it is, you know, you do learn stuff and you can train that into your game. So, you know, like anything with your brain and how it works, you know, whether it's your personal mental health or uh, your mental health for golf, um, you can work on it and you can improve it. So Ryan Fox, he's an advocate for it. And Carl Morris, you should go and check that episode out. He's a really good one with Carl Morris. He's a crackerjack, um, you know, mental performance coach has been working with some of the best golfers in Europe for a long time. Uh, Foxy, I would write, I said in a tweet this week, uh, I think I replied to Luke Elvis tweet. If you're talking about team golf, which obviously it's team golf season, Solheim cup this week, Ryder cup next week. Uh, Luke Elvis put a tweet out and talking about Ryan Fox being overlooked for the last president's cup should be absolute standout. Lay down is there for the next president's cup. I think that's a yep. given. I said, Absolutely. I said, I would run through a brick wall for Ryan Fox. You know, that's a many months, two-second conversation. But to me, he's the sort of guy in a team room that he would you'd just want to get behind and support. And then, you know, a lot of teams have those players, but he backs it up with supreme ball striking. Um, so that's what I think of Roxy. Foxy, Roxy, Foxy. I'm calling him Roxy from now on. Um, would you run through a brick wall for Foxy, even though he's a Kiwi? Uh, Phil? Well... <clears throat> he's he's built like one. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's he's just another. Well, he's another Kiwi that we would definitely adopt as an Aussie. Mm. Um, and you saw that at the last, like around the last screen, when Minwoo and the boys were cheering him on and just yeah, ready to to rush on and congratulate him. So they're obviously yeah, a tight knit bunch of um, bunch of guys. Um, but yeah, I definitely. Yeah, would be hopefully hopefully he comes down for the Oz Open um, later this year. We'll see. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. Um, 
he's obviously had a busy year, you know, he obviously spent a fair bit of time in the US with the uh, PGA Tour events that he had the status and invites and whatever else into. Done well in the European Tour, DP World Tour, sorry, um, obviously placings and now a win in their Rolex event. You know, that's that's a pretty um, signature event. You know, the caddy gets a gold bib, you get a star against your name in, in the leaderboard from this point forward and all of the other um, accoutrements and attributes that go with, you know, winning a Rolex event, um, namely the, the bank check that goes with it. Um, let's, let's see. But... Uh, just, just on that, the, the DP World Tour are fantastic with how they access players in and out of the tournament. He had a camera fixed on him and a microphone. I think he was talking to his wife, and he, I don't think he could believe it. He just said to her at one stage, how's that leaderboard? You've got Hatton, Victor, Tommy, Rory, Scott, and he he was almost pinching himself. Yeah. And his wife was just saying, just calm down. And then and then he had that dad moment where he's holding his kids. It's just like, can you take your hands out of your mouth, please? And it just... One of those guys, like what Phil was saying, I don't, I don't think he'd be any different depending on who's around him or if there's a camera on him or not. But it was just really nice for the DP to uh, um, had that family side of it rather than just a, a high shot looking at someone greeting their partner. Um, I do, I, the DP World Tour do so well off the course of promoting players and events, I think. I, you know, having watched some of the DP World Tour specific media at the Oz Open last year. Now, they had DP World Tour media come down for the Oz Open. Um, one of the lead uh, staff on that team is a lady by the name of Bryony. I, her um, surname escapes me. And she does all the wrangling. You know, she makes sure that the – she was making sure that the Australian media were doing their bit and they knew exactly what players they were going to get and all of the, you know – whether the interviews were the ad hoc interviews just by the side of the green or in, under the clubhouse there or in the media centre. But she was like the making sure the DP World Tour media um, got their cut of the action out of all of that. And you see her in the background there. You know, she's, and obviously having met her, you know, I see her standing out. But what I learnt from, you know, that and, you know, talking to Rue McDonald and that sort of thing is they have very good relationships with all the players and the players appreciate and respect and like them back. You know, it's not like oh, I have to do that, so I better go and do that. You know, like they want to, you know, support them and support each other. Now, to the point of um, that interview, did you see that they? I was I was looking at it. You know, obviously being an audio person, you know, microphones. I was thinking, how did they get such good audio out of this? I'm assuming that it was a phone, you know, because it was all for socials. I don't know if you did. You see where they had the microphone and what microphone it was? No, what was it? It was a little earpod. They had a little earpod taped into his placket of his shirt, just hanging out, and I th- and you could see the earpod, and I thought that's very clever. Yeah, so they yeah. didn't obviously didn't have time to wire someone up and do all of that, you know, stuff that we, you know, one way of getting audio. They just chucked an earpod, obviously stuck sticky taped it or something into the un- under his placket there, and that's what was picking up all, all that quality audio when he was, you know, quite away from the from the phone. Mm. And uh, so I thought that was very clever. So just little things like that, just to think, let's put that earpod in there. And that's obviously how they do their sort of walk and talk interviews and that sort of thing. So very good, very good. Very clever. Uh, that leaderboard was stacked, as you mentioned. You know, Foxy, Aaron Rye, you know, been playing, you know, PGA Talk uh, member. Tyrrell, Rahm, Hovland, Fleetwood, Shinquin, Scott, McElroy. I want to shout out to Co- um, Connor Syme. Now in missing the last couple of events, Connor Syme's had some Quite good performances. You know, I love to shout out to the Scots, my Scots family. Um, Connor Syme is certainly a Scots golfer to keep an eye on. You know, his performances this year have been pretty strong. 
he's just got to make that next next level. He could be the one from uh, Team Scotland to put us back on the map for the other flag that I sort of wave patriotically he, on this side. So what? how far off is he from overtaking... You know, Marty Laird and um, and Rusty Knox as your as your top Scott each week. Well, Marty, Marty and Marty and Rusty have dominated on the. You know, they've sort of got that one hundred position on the PGA Tour lock in. I might be being a bit harsh to them on that. I don't know actually know where they sit, but they've got that sort of week in week out lock on the PGA Tour, and it's a little battle between each of them to have, you know, who's going to be top Scott. But um, over here in the DP World Tour, uh, Connor is. You know, I would hope Connor Syme starts to push Bobby Mack as the uh, the number one Scott on, on those leaderboards. Anyway, enough about the Scott's talk. No, not enough about the Scott's talk. I want to make another Scottish mention. Can I, can I interject another um, Scott's mention here? Not related to the golf. Can I have sure. You? Thank you. Uh, my very good friend and a very good friend of many golfers globally, uh, worldwide, not only in Scotland, not only in the UK, but uh, around the world. If you've been to Scotland and you've been to East Lothian to play some golf, there is a fair chance that you've had a beer, uh, had a meal, had a beer and a meal, or you may have had a beer and a meal and stayed at Ducks in Abilady. Today, this very day, is the last day that Malcolm Duck, the great Malcolm Duck now, you've seen him on some of the cookie jar uh, videos lately. You've seen him on the 1457 uh, podcast podcast. Um, Scotland where golf began, you know, he's behind all of that. He's a very, very big promoter of golf in Scotland, especially East Lothian. It's his last day as the proprietor of Ducks. And that's like one of the great golf pubs. It's like Russick's, um, uh, sorry, the um, Dunvegan in St Andrews. Well, Ducks is the one in Abilady, East Lothian, everyone goes to. After 19 years of being the proprietor there, staying up late, drinking too much, playing putting games where you stand on the bar and hit the ball off the stool onto the seesaw and you get a free drink if you get it. He's finished. Done. So uh, congratulations to Malcolm. Uh, he's been very kind to me. You know, he welcomes me every time I'm there and uh, we've played golf together. And um, so well done, Malcolm, on a great service that you've done to golf globally because many people around the world love and know Malcolm Duck and uh, Fiona and the whole staff there. So congratulations. Um, sorry, I interjected another bit of Scotland just, into that. Just on that, there's a cracking little 10-minute documentary uh, done by the Lynn Starry that's worth looking at. It was out earlier in the year. It is brilliant. Uh, also very good friends of mine, Jamie. Uh, who puts all of that together um, and organises all of the Link's Diary stuff. Um, he would have been behind that. And, um, yes, I certainly agree. Very good. Okay. What have we got uh, for the Fortinet? Another favourite of the podcast. Ooh, yeah. What a what a win from uh, Sahith. Who who, uh, who, covered, uh, who covered Sahith's win? Who was the big fan of uh, Sahith and uh, the win there? In. I think his parents were the big fan. <laughs> really? And his family. It was great to see, the uh, again, the raw side of it. Yeah. 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 He yeah. got so he... close, I think, last year at the Waste Management um, or the year before. I think it was last year. He got so close and did really well. He might have hit one in the water on 17 and bogeyed 18. Maybe he was caught in the bunker and he was right up there as well. And you could see how much it hurt him and you knew it was going to be too far away before he won one. So it's good that he's got his uh, foot in the door. Um, great win. Great win by two in the end, but it could have been by a lot more. PK, did you uh, did you catch much or did you follow the uh, Thagala steam train? Um, I caught 
the the highlights after each each day, and I watched the um, yeah. So it was on Monday morning. I watched the you know the ten minutes of his last round highlights, and like you said, it was a, pretty much a procession of him hitting it close or draining putts from a long way um, up and down. I think he won. Um, he was you know gold out of out of the bunkers and the scrambling. Um, and then after every every birdie, you, you, like Polt said. The camera cuts around and his dad's high-fiving everyone pretty much in the in the gallery. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's good to, for him to get that you know that win off his back. I think his dad's um, name's I think his dad's name's Murley, if that's correct. But he had like thirty-two people uh, in the party there. That alone um, would be enough pressure for anyone, like to have thirty-two of your nearest and dearest or you probably didn't know half of them you probably just you know really just probably dragged them in for uh come and join the the, the gala train but um it was phenomenal to see uh, all of all of that and his dad is a a very proud and very passionate dad and uh, i get that so um yeah well done yeah. well done very very big team following um and good to see some like the names again on the the leaderboard um getting some good finishes like cam davis yep. was the third um, someone else that caught my eye um see if you can pick this one roscoe he led the field in distance off the tee he hit the most greens in regulation and he's playing in italy oh justin thomas oh. yeah of course yeah so he's he might have turned a corner our last chat about a month ago we uh we were unanimous that he probably shouldn't be picked but yep. maybe uh, missing the playoffs has hurt him just enough to, um, or a bit more time to practice. You saw him with the with the noodles and looking like an amateur or someone who'd been pretty busy on YouTube. Um, maybe it's working for him. You'll see people in your Drummond store on a Friday or Saturday night with pool noodles coming out everywhere. Oh, I've seen that. Don't worry. <laughs> if there if there is a training aid that you've uh seen someone using online and the training aid that's not a training aid, i.e. a pool noodle, um, it's a pretty common thing in the, in the golf uh, coaching sort of stable of tools, a pool noodle, pool noodle on a, uh, on a, on a alignment stick alignment stuck stick. into the ground, all that sort of stuff. Uh, What's the any... weirdest thing you've seen, Ross? Uh, What's the unusual thing you've seen? Just been walking past, coming back from lunch and you look into your bays there. It, think what is going on there? It wasn't weird in itself, but there is a very expensive product, um, the name of which escapes me, but it's a pad uh, that you put on the ground and you stand on and it's connected to, it's just a very thin pad and you stand on it. It's connected to an iPad, to an app in an iPad, and it shows you the pressure between your feet as you swing. So I came back and there was two guys in the bay, one obviously like doing a coaching session, which I was not going to say it's not the done thing, but it's very unusual for someone to come in and you know, occupy a bay and bring their own coach. But it wasn't a coach, it was someone who owned this bit of equipment, very expensive bit of equipment, which names escapes me. But it's basically the pad where you know you, it measures and shows you a, a graphical representation of the pressure through each feet as you swing. So if you're leaning on the left foot too much or the right foot too much and you know it should be balanced it should go back to your right foot as you, for a right hander as you swing back and go back into your heel and then come through onto your left forefoot as you follow through fairly similar pattern if you don't produce that pattern and that that was happening i thought wow that's a very expensive bit of a 
kit to come in and whack some balls in the simulator. Um, what else? I've pretty much seen everything, you know, people using elastic bands and, um, you know, the balls. They bring in their own little soft ball and put it between, with, you know, because they haven't bought a tall striker ball. Um, the force plates, you know, someone will bring their own, um, not force plate, but the the little plate that sits on the ground and has this, the, the plane mate type things. You know, it's a big bit of steel that holds the things on an angle. They bring those in. Anyway, I don't care what they bring in. As long as they pay the money and drink a beer and or drink a soft drink or whatever they drink and see you later. Buy some clubs. Easy. Yep. But nothing too out of the ordinary, Dave. Um, yeah. Uh, look, the pressure was off from Justin Thomas to have to perform. You know, like he's in the team. He's on the way. But uh, good for him for, for showing up and, you know, getting some reps in and, and good for him for, you know, finding something and, you know, if that gives him the confidence that he needs, you know, he's he's there because he's a proven hitman in uh, in the format. So, you know, if he's got some form, good luck to him. Uh, Brandon Todd, Max Homer, Matt, Matt Kuchar. Good on you, Matt Kuchar, turning up and just taking some more bank. Beautiful. Um, yeah, the Fortinet. <clears throat> okay. What else? What else have we missed? Have we missed anything else in any of the rundowns? One little uh, tidbit is yes. Ludwig, your boy. Oh, Um I didn't know much about him until recently, but his last six months have been amazing. I, I can't wait to see what he does over the next six months and beyond. Um, I read somewhere that Scotty Scheffler was the last bloke picked in the most recent Ryder Cup for America, and six months later he was world number one, and now he's been on this amazing 18-month streak where he's won majors and hits greens for fun. I'm just going to be watching with excitement as to what this kid can do oh. over the next year or so. 200 percent and you know he's been on many people's radar you know we weren't the first to start talking about him but uh you know we were one of the early ones to be on the and i'll talk about the aberg train um in a minute but uh you know he is a he's a young talent young swede beautiful golf swing great demeanor obviously had a very highly regarded and renowned um, NCAA college career. Comes straight onto the tour, does well, goes to Europe, does well, wins. You know, he fell away in the final round last week at the um, BMW. That's fine, you know. That's, you know, he's had a pretty fair stint at it. And um, he will be, he'll be awesome. He'll be awesome. Uh, he'll be get, he'll get paired up with the Vikings It'll be the, the the Viking twosome out there. I'm guaranteed at the at the um, Ryder Cup, and um, that's the Norwegian, that's Victor and and uh, Ludwig mm. playing together, uh, and he'll be awesome. But yeah, you're right. He'll he'll be a dominator. Now, does anyone know what I want to talk about when I, when we talk about Ludwig and when I say Aberg? No, no, it's not Aberg, uh, and it's doing my nut. It's and I've. You know, in this podcast, been guilty? been guilty of calling him Ludwig Aberg. Now, excuse me while I cough. Uh, I'm back. I'm just going to take a sip of my honey lemon <coughs> tea out of my Bushnell flask. Excuse me. It's not Aberg. Now, the reason why I would went with Aberg, because I'm a stickler for pronunciation. You know, Mike Caridi copped the wrath of mispronunciations many times, as you've heard. But I'm pretty sure... And I'll be corrected. I mean, to be corrected or anything, that when his name was um, printed on leaderboards and PGA Tour and whatever else, it was spelt A B E R G. Now, in 
Swede, um, alphabet, language, A has a number of different iterations, as it does in German and that's all as, no, it has a number of iterations because it appears with an umlaut in the Swedish version. It has a little circle at the top. So when it started appearing with the circle umlaut, excuse me again, back with you, um, when it appears with the umlaut, it makes a different sound. Now, the reason why I make, I know it makes a different sound, back in 2002, I once uh, billeted a colleague from Sweden who was Mercedes-Benz colleague. Her name was, if we, if we spell it, A-S-A, Asa. <coughs> <coughs> oh, dear, I told you I'm sick. Uh, but it had an umlaut and she very, very quickly um, corrected us. It's Orsa. The A with the umlaut makes an or sound. Or. So it ain't Ludwig Aberg, it's Ludwig Orberg. Now, even further, and I noticed Tron from No Laying Up has started calling him Orberg. Maybe someone else has pulled him up on it. Um, and I didn't know that until I heard him talk about it the other day. I went to my very good friend, uh, also former guest on the podcast, Sweden's first ever PGA Tour winner, two times PGA Tour winner, Gabriel Hertzstedt. I said, gee... Help me settle an argument. How do we pronounce Ludwig's surname? And he sent me a voice note. <coughs> he sent me a voice note where he pronounced it out, and it's like a all bear, all bear. Mm. So there you go. That's so. From this point forward, Ludwig is all bear. Or I could be I could be given you know, given. Given, uh, I could I could accept Ober A Orberg, but hearing it from a Sweden's first PGA Tour winner two times, Orbear. There you go. I wonder how many of the commentary team will actually pronounce his name correctly. I'm also led to believe that he put a video out saying, "Well, I'm fine." You know, the English in the English, yeah, you would say Aberg, and I'm fine with that. But I, I, me, being a stickler. I'm not fine with it, so I'm only ever going to call him Orberg from this point forward. If he was in Formula One or if he was playing in EPL, would they get it right? My question they to would. both of you gentlemen. Yeah, they definitely would. Exactly. They wouldn't be running around going, hey, Ludwig Eberg, Eberg. Yeah. No way. There you go. Mm. Rant, rant over. Orberg. Good to know. Can you, can you have a crack at saying that, um, PK? Orberg? No, but me being... You know, someone who likes to, you know, poke the bear and um, be a bit sort of, I don't know, narky. Does that obviously your stickler for pronunciation doesn't um, apply to Spanish players? I'll try my very best to get them right. Why? Did, with, I, get, did I get one wrong? With, well, your favourite your favorite pro-am Spanish player? George. George? <laughs> <laughs> George Campillo, Campillo. Ah, well, I just anglicised it. I anglicised it for the for the ease of use and for the levity. That was for levity. Uh, Jorge Campillo, of course, we're talking about. Um, you know, our former guest, uh, not on the podcast, but on the pro am circuit, where he went on to win after playing with us after not having ever won in twenty years on the DP World Tour. Plays around with us, goes out and wins. Uh, we collect, you know, collectively. Colloquially called him George. Well, the translate the direct translation is George. 
There's no direct, yeah. there's no direct change license for an A with an umlaut to A. There you go. No. Um, but yeah, fantastic. You'll get Ludwig hitting you up for around the golf two weeks before the Masters, I reckon, with your track record. I'm I'm here for uh, all of the Swedes. All yeah, all of the Swedes. I've been billeting Swedish PGA Tour winners since 1987. Um, so, you know, no problems, Ludwig. Come down. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, no, he's a champion. He is a champion. Well, yeah, I like the um, the quote the McDonald had the other day. You know, obviously, again, people were probably just questioning about picking him in the, in the rider and he's like, if he wasn't going to play this one, he was going to play the next eight rider cups. That's how good I think he is. So mm. when you're 23 and you, like you said, you got your, your rider cap, captain thinking you're that highly, then you're, um, you're doing something right. Just bring the young blood in. Um, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Now, Solheim cup. Mm. It's one of my favorite golfing events. Um, lucky enough to have been to one, uh, 2019 uh, at um, uh, Glen Eagles. It was a sensational day out there. It was as good as, for me, the President's Cup here at Royal Melbourne. The atmosphere was electric. The play was sensational. Europe won by, I think, uh, the team captain, Suzanne Patterson, sort of sunk a clutch putt that gave uh, Europe the win after being substantially down as, at Inverness uh, in the last, not last year's or whenever it was, the, the most recent um, Solheim Cup. So it returns to Europe this way this year. I caught up with, uh, before we get into our chat with it, I had the opportunity to chat with a colleague of ours, another former guest of the podcast, who's been on the ground at um, in Andalusia. Uh, and I caught up with him just before I caught up with you guys. I recorded it because he had to go um, down there on official Bushnell business. Darren Bragg, the European manager for Bushnell, has been down there working with the teams and getting their Bushnell set up. So I caught up with him. I recorded it. Here it is, Darren Bragg, European manager of Bushnell. Hey, Ross. Great to catch up with you. Thank you for uh, getting me on the podcast again. So sat here at the moment in Finca Cortesin down in Andalusia in Spain for the Solheim Cup. Fantastic uh, to be here, first and foremost. It's, a, it's an incredible venue that's held uh, DP World Tour events, World Golf Championships. So it's a it's a proper golf course. And looking at the setup first, I think the golf course is really fair. Hey, Ross, great to catch up with you. Thank you for uh, getting me on the podcast again. So sat here at the moment in Finca Cortesin down in Andalusia in Spain for the Solheim Cup. Um Fantastic uh, to be here, first and foremost. It's a it's an incredible venue that's held uh, DP World Tour events, World Golf Championships. So it's a it's a proper golf course. Uh, and looking at the setup first, I think the golf course is really fair. I mean, it's beautifully manicured, as you'd expect. Pretty wide fairways, and I think when you guys see the Solheim on TV, the rough is going to look pretty uh, pretty low. But it's a really coarse Bermuda grass. So, you know, the ball could be lost in one inches of, uh, of rough. The ball is literally burying itself underneath or sitting right on the top. And then in and around the greens is going to be really interesting. The, the grain that, that sat there both naturally and mowed away from the greens is going to make it uh, a pretty exciting short game test, I think. Darren, greens are fantastic. They, I think, to Go for it, Ross. No, I was just going to say, you know, um, you continue on uh, talking about the greens. Take us through what you've um, seen on the greens there. Are they grainy, you know, grainy type greens? 
They are. They yeah. are. They definitely have some nap to them. Um, and I think they're running today at about 10.8. They were about 11.2 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plan is to get them a touch quicker. Okay. Um, caught up with uh, a pal of mine who's doing some of the refereeing this week. And, and one of their struggles is to find enough pin positions for the duration of the week with this kind of three practice days plus the five tournament rounds in the event. So look out for a couple of smelly pins that will be on, on the edges. And, you know, we've seen a couple this morning in practice, a couple of flop shots out of bunkers that have hit slopes and ended up in water the other side of the green. So I think short game is definitely going to be going to be the winner here in terms of momentum because there's plenty of room off the tee from the fairway. You know, the accuracy of these guys is, is ridiculous. But those that miss a green, it's definitely going to be short game skills that will uh, make those up and downs and, and potentially those birdies to win holes. So, and it's going to be a great, a great event. So just to reference where, where you are in Andalusia in Spain, you know, it's not too far from where we know um, uh, Club uh, Valderrama is. So it's in that area, you know, the southeast. So yeah, we're down in Andalusia. Yeah. So like if you fly into either Malaga Airport or Gibraltar. So we're very close to Sota Grande, which is yeah. where San Roque La Reserva, Club Alderama. And then if you go uh, further east, then you hit the sort of Estepona, uh, Marbella, Puerto Banus areas before hitting, hitting the airport. So it's, a, it's a, a strip of coastline that is plentiful of great golf courses. So Binker Cordsin sits in the heart of that. And yeah, it's easy to get to. I think it's about half an hour from Gibraltar Airport and maybe 50 minutes from Malaga. So uh, it's perfectly situated to get everyone in and the logistics of an event like this is is pretty huge and haven't heard any issues yet so I think everyone's here on site and ready to go Other than um, uh, Megan Zang's club's not turning up that was the only issue that I've heard about well, I'm sure there's more but uh, that's a fairly big one for Megan Zang <laughs> Uh, Daniel, sorry, not Megan so, Zhang. Daniel, Daniel Kang. Kang. Daniel yeah, Kang, Daniel. sorry, yeah. Um, club's Daniel not turning Kang. up. Mm. So, so we popped out yesterday and uh, we've been kind of following both teams. Um, obviously, run into why we're doing that, but we're following both teams. And, and Daniel was there yesterday with a half set of clubs, which wasn't expected. So Ping have made her a couple of irons. Um, I think title is now sent her a backup set. But, yeah, she was out with a six-club bag yesterday playing a practice round. And to be fair to her, she was in great spirits, very, very relaxed about the whole situation. And then just called her this morning um, when she got up to the range, and she's uh, delighted to say that she does have her her normal gamers back. They arrived late last night, so she's uh, she's happily out on the golf course now. Getting, getting her old tools back in the bag and, and sharpened for the weekend. Expecting a big crowd down in that part of Spain. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough uh, and the listeners that have listened to this will know that I've spoken about it many times because it was such a great event, the Solheim Cup in 2019 at Glen Eagles, which was just awesome. The setup was huge. You know, the, the stands around the, the, the 16th, the 18th, the first greens, same sort of size of setup. You know, I'm, I'm, is it a sellout event? You know, do you, are you expecting to see or are they expecting to see a lot of people there on the ground? 100%. I think the, the expectation would be a similar crowd level to Glen Eagles, which will so you've referenced because you were there. I mean, I think there are nine or ten main grandstands that have been sort of built up around the golf course. Uh, you know, a really large uh, grandstand around the first tee, which you'd expect. And but what was interesting when when I got here this week, having previously played uh, the course before, they've actually rerouted some of the early holes 
So typically the first hole is about a 400 yard or so from, from the, the tee that's being used this week. So, soft dog leg left to right, quite a kind of straightforward opening hole, but I've actually flipped it. And the first hole this week is a powerful drivable water all the way down the left and creeps all the way around the front of the sort of left-hand side of the green. So standing on the tee this morning for the practice round, it was 270 yards to the pin playing about 260. Uh, so it was about a sort of six or 7% slope downhill and about sort of 11 to 12 yards downhill playing. And the carry over the water is 249 yards, but playing 236. So it's been really interesting you know, seeing the guys yesterday and today, a combination of long iron and hybrid and a wedge, which is a which are a reasonably straightforward uh, wedge shot, and then those that are definitely getting the uh, getting the drivers out and seeing seeing what they're capable with. Um, so I think come Friday and and depending on format and and pairings, it's a fantastic first hole. It's a drivable par four straight off the bat. Oh, with a huge grandstand, it's it's going to be it's going to be amazing. It's probably when I think of all the golf shots now. It's not going to worry you because you're a PGA pro. But for someone like me, elevated tee, water on the left, uh, it's probably the worst shot that sets up that I could ever think of for me off the first tee. It's going to be an absolute doozy to see what happens. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think it's going to come down to it's the strategy, right? Who plays with who in what format? I mean, if, if, if people are going to stand there in foursomes and have a crack at that green, then they are um, uh, fairly confident in their own ability, shall we say. I think there's, you know, there is so much room to the right of the playing fairway. It's probably 70-yard wide fairway, and you can hit it up to 250 yards in a straight line. So you could hit six iron off that tee and a wedge, and you could equally hit, you know, drive a straight down the fairway and a, and a pitch shot across. So... I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple that pull driver, but uh, they're definitely going to miss right. Now, you've been out and around watching, obviously, uh, the women practice. Anyone sort of catch your eye in terms of, you know, anything special that you've seen? Who are you following? You know, who do you like? You know, what what sort of matchups are you expecting? Well, I mean, if you take the European team, uh, I mean, Suzanne's, put together quite a large Scandinavian uh, following, if you like, within the team room. And I think they're, they're definitely a kind of, there's a pack there, if you like. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of pairings that come out of that. Um, you know, Anna Norquist has, has been striping it. Uh, Madeline Saxon has been playing lovely. Emily Pedersen has been ripping it. So I, I think you've got some pairings that are going to sit there. You then have Lynn Grant. I've, I've not seen Lynn hit a ball uh, in person until this week, and uh, yeah, I mean there's a there's a there's a proper flusher in there. Doesn't miss the middle of the fairway very often, so I wouldn't be surprised to see her in the in the two foursomes matchups, 100%. And then the US side, um, we're actually we caught a little bit of them yesterday. We're we, we're out following them a little bit more today, but um, you've got uh, Charlene Knight hit it lovely. Daniel Kang's short game uh, and Angel Yin's short game today is, uh, yeah, pretty astonishing, to be fair. Just been sort of on a green just half an hour ago watching them play around, and those two are definitely to keep an eye on. I think Rose Yang looking at um, some of the practice this morning on the putting green and Andrea Lee, there's, they're, 
they're here and they're ready to go. I think I think it's going to be a great matchup. And I think with the with the course set up the way it is, it's fair off the tee. It's going to be demand accuracy with your with your sort of fairway shots. But I think it's going to be plenty of birdies and plenty of momentum swings. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's absolutely going to be awesome. Um, yeah, we've done a fair bit of watching and, and talking about uh, a lot of the women's golf. We enjoy it. Uh, we think it's great. It's a great spectacle to watch the women play a lot of these courses they get to play, a lot of the classic architecture, um, golden age architecture courses they play on the LPGA Tour especially, and uh, it's just been enjoyable. And, you know, if it's anything like no, Inverness, Inverness didn't go the way of Europe, but uh, certainly for my, my reflections going back to if it's anything like um, last time it was in Europe at um, Glen Eagles, it will be an absolute doozy. Now, last question before I let you go because I know you've got to get on with it. But... Um, You've been down there fine-tuning all of the uh, Bushnell distance measuring devices of both teams. How did that go? Do you know what? One of the best calls that uh, that I had, it was probably just under three weeks ago now, was reached out by uh, Suzanne Pedersen, the European captain, uh, asking if, if we would we would like to get involved in supporting the teams. So... It took, uh, i got to say, less than 24 hours, and both uh, the U.S. team from Bushnell and and uh, the international team were both more than happy to uh, to support. So, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to say that when we arrived Monday, we had uh, brand-new Pro-X3 lasers for both the European and the U.S. teams, and we've also provided lasers for captains and the vice and assistant captains for both sides as well. Uh, we did a we did a little bit of personalization on the cases. So if you uh, keep a, keep an eye out across uh, socials and the TV, you're going to see um, a little bit of a little bit of sort of special personalization that uh, that we've done to sort of characterize the two teams, if you like. So it, it's been cool. We've been here putting everything together, meeting the whole ops team, getting involved in uh, players, assistant advice captains, caddies just making sure that they've got everything they need, they're comfortable with the units and what they do and how they can utilize them. You know, yeah, from, from our perspective as a, as a brand, you know, to, to be able to support the teams and the players, first and foremost, it, it is an honor and to be out here and, and actually make sure firsthand that they're all good to go and they're able to prep the way they would like to is great. Uh, and I found out this morning that, um, our understanding is that they're going to be able to use the lasers during the event as well this week. So oh, they will have tournament mode, so they won't be able to use slope or, or elements or some of the other you know, great stuff that we have in that unit. But but they are going to be using lasers in the event, which which I think is, is definitely going to assist with speed of play and stuff like that. Oh, fantastic. So Suzanne Pedersen, captain of uh, the European Solheim Cup team, called you and said, can you get involved? That's fantastic. Uh, it was through through uh, through an intermediary. Yeah. There was a, a conversation that took place uh, a week prior to the BMW, um, and I think within 30 minutes of that call, I was having a conversation uh, and getting involved. And as I said, yeah, I mean, why why wouldn't we want to come and support uh, support the players? You know, the best using the best. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, we love our Bushnells here on the My Love of Golf podcast. Uh, you know, Pro X3, last time we spoke to you, we, we were launching the Pro X3 and, and we went through all of that great technology. And every time I get the chance to speak to anyone about the Pro X3, because they, they look at mine, they think, well, you know, they might have a, a, a V4 or something like that, an older one. They look, they always look to my gear, you know, for everything in the bag. But um, they'll go, oh, give us a look at that. And then once I get the opportunity to say, and it does this, and then it does this, and it does this. They go, oh, how does it do all of that? But it's just unbelievable technology, you know, barometers, thermostats, um, slope, elevation, all of the measurements that you could possibly want for um, learning your way around the course, which, of course, they can use in practice, and the caddies will be using them to the absolute nth degree, I'm sure. But um, it's going to be great to see all of that product out there. I love it. I love it. And uh, no better person to be on the ground fine-tuning them all for the team, Darren, uh, is your good self. And... Uh, uh, it's a fantastic, fantastic opportunity for you to get down there and do that. And, and uh, yeah, it was great for you to take the time out to give us a buzz uh, live on the ground at uh, Finca Cortezine. Fantastic. My pleasure, Ross. Thank, thank you for uh, for the opportunity and the shout out. And yeah, let's uh, let's all enjoy what's going to be a fantastic tournament this week. And can I be partisan? Do I need to be biased, or can I just say go Team Europe? Oh, mate, no, absolutely. This is a uh, Team Europe, um, you know, led um, support <laughs> crew over this side as well, mate. So don't worry, and uh, and we'll back that up with uh, Team Europe the week after as well for the uh, the Ryder Cup, mate. Uh, have a great um, have a great time. Have a great trip home, and I look forward to catching up with you very soon, mate. Thank you very much, Ross. Take care. Thanks again. We'll speak to you soon. difference and everything else but i i lean towards europe as well um they've won the last couple and that doesn't really impact on who i prefer to win but they've been really close i think it's been two points and one point over the last two right uh solheim cups but america lead the overall 10 to 7 so i lean towards europe for a few reasons um yeah maybe maybe just because they're generally the little sister in this case so i'll be i'll be um hoping that europe get over the line i see they're slight favorites so hopefully they can get the job done. Uh, any particular matchups or players that you're looking forward to, to following out of uh, either of the two teams there, Pult? Uh Nelly Corder, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's most likely to get a few runs on the board, but just her swing is so smooth and repetitive that I really enjoy watching what the little movie in my head. It's kind of like what my swing looks like until I actually see it, and it's nothing look like. It looks more like I'm throwing up all over myself but um nelly caught up very much so and i'd like to see how danielle can goes when she's only had a putter for a while it's great they just got her clubs back um but that we're talking about the mind and how strong these golfers are to not have 13 of your clubs would be phenomenal and stressful and from the sounds of things she, she's going quite well but she she had her putter because she carries it in a rifle case Apparently, it's quite hard to replace um, and one of a kind. So it's a hot pink rifle case that she carries a putt around on um, and takes it everywhere with her. So that that wouldn't at all be discomfort, dis, um, a stress or anything for those that are on the same plane as her, would it? Carrying on a hot pink uh, rifle case with a putter in there. 
No, oh well. Be fine. But you would think uh, it just goes to show a little bit of the difference, you know. Like I can't imagine uh, many of the Ryder Cup players turning up mm. to Europe in having to worry about things like private jet, uh, having to worry about things like their luggage travelling commercially. I, I might be wrong, but it just goes to show that, um, you know, here is one of the players uh, in the Team USA um, losing a luggage, obviously travelling through, you know, commercially. Um I've seen a lot of people put um, AirPods in there like because it's such a, a frequent occurrence. Um, I've seen people put AirPods in their in their golf bag mm. so they can mm. actually track it. And so when you know, um, like I said, they're already at their destination and they can see that their bags are still on the on the tarmac or you know in the terminal where they where they originated from. So I've heard pl- I've heard plenty of stories where that's happened and the people can demonstrate. Hey, the bag is like. 50 metres away on the other side of that wall there and and the people who they're talking to haven't been able to facilitate getting the bag and they've still had to leave and still had to get it re-delivered and it's been it's a palaver sometimes, you know, just this whole missing luggage seems to be happening a lot. Um, I blame Qantas. Um, there you go. I'll play the blame with uh, Qantas and the people that aren't there anymore. What it, you know, they're, they're costing us tourism, costing us tourism in Australia uh, here, uh, that whole thing. Anyway. I've got a question for you, Roscoe. Far away. I know you are the greatest driver um, in drum and golf history. You're playing foursomes mm. and there's a big water carry mm. or you can play it safe. What are you doing? Uh, if it's me on the tee, yep. I'm going for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think if you've got to play to your strengths in any yep. any foursomes match, and if you've got a, a defined strength, um, you've just got to go with it because if you start playing – outside of the way that you play the game um, innately and, you know, these guys and girls are playing innately, um, it's recipe for potentially making mistakes. So, no, no, I feel the most confident when I have driver in my hand and, of course, it doesn't always work out. It didn't always work out for Sihith Thagala on the weekend. You know, his driving stats weren't great. Um, but for me, just load me up as long as I can hit the number I'm going to fly it over, you know, that right peg on the, you know, on the on the right and red peg on the right and draw it back to the middle and hopefully it goes wrong. There's actually a good video of Mike and I playing screen golf where we played the last three holes of TPC Sawgrass and we hit about 18 balls into the water. <laughs> so it doesn't always work. Um, I'm looking forward to, to this. I'm looking forward to trying to watch as much as I can. I, in the European team, um, can't wait to see who gets mashed up with Charlie. Uh we're big fans of Charlie. Many people is, are fans of Charlie. She's endeared herself to the golfing population this year with her, you know, second place finishes at a couple of majors and, you know, very good performances throughout the LPGA season. Interesting to see who gets paired up with Charlie. There's a couple of interviews with um, Suzanne Patterson, you know, basically she references Charlie as no one knows what Charlie's doing. You know, she's just out there doing what Charlie does. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, what happens there. Um I can't wait to see, you know, Gemma Dryborough and Leanna Maguire. Um, they will p- could get paired together. You know, we could see that sort of Celtic pairing happening. There are five Swedes in this team. Uh, Maya Stark, Anna Nordfist, who's also a playing captain. Uh, Madeline Sagstrom, uh, Carolyn Headwall. She's played a number of Solheim Cups now. So, you know, it'll, as Darren suggested, uh, Lynn Grant, you know, a supreme ball striker. Uh, be interested to see... Um, which matchups um, go out there in the foursomes and the four balls. Be interested to see who gets paired with 
Carlota Chiganda. Chiganda Siganda. Uh, I think it's a soft C in Spanish. Um, I tend to overuse the, the hard C, um, Phil, just going back to the uh, language skills. Uh, I like to call it Chiganda, but I actually think it's Siganda. Uh, yeah, the slowest player in uh, LBJ history um, and one of the only players in either men's or women's tours to have been penalised in the last uh, several years. Um, interested to see who she gets paired with. But uh, I think um, the Europeans are pretty strong. Celine Boutier, mm. fantastic golfer. But let's not dis- discount the um, the US, obviously, a team of mixed levels of experience. You know, you've got Lexia, Danielle Kang, um, absolute stalwarts of uh, Solheim Cup over a number of years. Nearly quarter played the last uh, couple, absolute superstar. And then you've got the new names of Lilia Vu, Alison Corpus, um, Jennifer Cupcho, Angel Yin, you know, um, Shane Knight, you know, these other players that, you know, we haven't seen a lot of playing in this uh, team format, but um, are playing unbelievable golf. So that's what's going to make this, uh, for me, um, compulsory viewing. Lexi Thompson, you know, I I didn't think Lexi would make this team, um, but, you know, maybe it's a little bit of Justin Thomas. I'm not sure. Yeah, she's a seasoned competitor. Uh, we probably there's, spent the most. Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say there seems to be so many young uh, players in that American team that having Lexi's experience probably isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, she didn't win at Glen Eagles when we were following her, but we've probably followed her the most. And uh, she's just an, an impressive uh, golfer, an impressive athlete. Um, so I hope she does well because, you know, she's got a lot of fans around the uh, global golf world. But I am tipping and hoping for a Team Europe win. Um, good luck to all of the women. Uh, good luck to uh, Suzanne Pedersen and Anorgvist. Dame Laura Davies, what a what a stalwart of uh, golf and an absolute ambassador for the women's game and golf in general. You know, just tees it up in, an o- in a women's open, withdraws, jumps into the commentary booth, you know, holds court in the commentary booth, absolute lets some rippers go. She's absolutely fantastic. Um and been a, a, a vice captain for a number of Solheims now. So uh, good luck to them all. Uh, and then next week we've got the Ryder Cup. Does anything anything popped up in Ryder Cup uh, world for you guys that you want to sort of talk about now? Because <laughs> we'll probably – we might resume next week. for We might just keep a good thing going and talk about Ryder Cup next week. But uh, anything that's popped up under Ryder Radar for you? Well, I want to hear uh, next week. Who you're, I want you to make a prediction on the leading point scorer. Now it's a bit it's it's a bit <laughs> tricky because they might be rested throughout there, but I reckon I've got a a good call for the Americans who might just play five matches. But I want to hear what you think. Um, and every time the Ryder Cup comes around, I kind of think, what is it about the Ryder Cup that's so much better than the Presidents Cup? I went to the last Presidents Presidents Cup. It was amazing as a spectacle, but it's got to be just a bit more than a history or the fact that it's fairly one-sided. I want to know what it is that um, means that the Ryder Cup, I will get up every morning at stupid o'clock to watch it, but the President's Cup just just doesn't grab the attention of the golfing public like the Ryder Cup does. But it's, it's history and a more even competition, even though if you look at history, Americans are well and truly on top, but there's got to be something more to it. Hmm. Well, we can talk about it now if you want. I, I just think over the journey you know the level of players that have played in Ryder Cup and made the Ryder Cup what it is on the European side you know we've always had the big names on the US team 
year in, year out, and that continues. But over the history, you know, the European team uh, has been very strong with some of equally the world's best golfers. And you go back to the foundations of the Ryder Cup and look at the, you know, the, the players, you know, we had the Ballesteros and the Faldos and um, heaps of, uh, you know, the Torrances and the Alathabals and all of those great players, the Bernard Langers, and they made the Ryder Cup what it is. And I just don't think the President's Cup, when that came to bear, and I can't remember the exact timing on the President's Cup, but it just didn't have the same clout on the international team. Uh, back then, there were many, many good golfers, you know, like Ernie was one of the, you know, founding President's Cup players and then captain and plenty of great golfers, but just without that same clout and I think it gets dismissed by the big media machine uh, in the US. They don't pay as much credit and attention to it. Uh, it gets dismissed a little bit by being sort of the the second string sort of, um, you know, team format competition. And it's sort of always gone that way, despite the fact that there's been some sensational golf. You know, Royal Melbourne proved that. Um, but the international team have copped a couple of shellackings over the journey. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, when it's over by the end of the second day, it makes yeah. it hard to stay motivated for the singles, doesn't it? Yep. So, you know, President's Cup should they pick the courses that it just showcases the best golf and the best course and the best of everything about, you know, golf and and make that a spectacle and, and try and lift it. You know, use basically what I'm saying is use the Royal Melbourne format globally to make the, the President's Cup what it is. Um, PK, what do you think about that? Yeah, like I said, again, in the early years it was – even though it was, you, you could pick, like you said, the rest of the world basically, apart from apart from Europe, the like, like again, the caliber of the players and the um, just the yeah, um, yeah, the talent of the players was very slim pickings. It was basically Australia, South Africa, and maybe you know a couple of J- Japanese players. Mm. Um, Oh, sorry. Early on, you would have yeah, and the other one was Mike Weir, like the Can- yeah. um, Canadian players. Um, at least now we've got, yeah, you know, again, sort of following on from the yeah the women's trend, yeah, you know, a lot more sort of South South Korean players. So I think it's getting it's getting a lot more even hmm. because the the younger players that are on there now are probably better than the younger American yep. players. Yep. So once the, you know, I guess if you want to use the analogy of like the Australian cricket team, once the older stalwarts, you know, move on, then the international team is going to have the, you know, the runs on the board. They've they've already played two or three Presidents Cups, um, and hopefully it'll be, you know, be able, what's the next uh, next one's twenty twenty four next year. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully by the time that you know they come back to Roy Melbourne in in twenty eight will be um you know talking about how dominant the um yeah the international team is. I think the last two have resurrected a little bit of interest in it. You know, like the last one, you know, we saw the rise of Tom Kim, and uh, the other names around Tom uh, escaped me. But that sort of Korean pack, you know, South Korean pack was a was a legitimate thing, and they're legitimate players playing on the PGA Tour. So, you know, the the fun that you know the the Tom Kim party sort of brought to it. Um, certainly elevated it and I think you know the last two have reignited a little bit so let's as you say let's hope that sort of continues mm-hmm. 
into um, the next President's Cup. But anyway, we've got the Ryder Cup next week to talk about. So um, we'll talk about that next week on the eve of the Ryder Cup. You guys are welcome to join us again. Yeah, hopefully Scott's back from. I'm not sure where Scott is. He's on travel somewhere. Um, you're more than welcome to join us again and continue this good stuff. Uh, Dave, there is another tournament this weekend, DP World Tour, open to France at Le Golf National. Um, I'm not sure that wasn't a French accent. I'm, I don't. I have no French. I cannot correct anyone on any French pronunciations. But Le Golf Le National. Magnifique. Le Magnifique. Uh, Le, yeah. Syn- Le Syndicat Initiative. You're the teacher here, not me. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Le Golf National, it's just outside Paris. It's where they played, speaking of Ryder Cups, uh, 2018, thereabouts. Um, another Europe Team Europe win. That was a fairly dominant sort of Team Europe win yeah. back then. Uh it's a purpose-built sort of big tournament, big format course, and uh, it's hosting um, the Open de France. Yeah, for memory, there's a few amphitheaters, so it's a great yeah. course to watch from. Um, I'm hoping for an Aussie double coming up. We've got oh. Minwoo in France and hopefully Cam Smith in Live Chicago. Um, I don't really spend much time watching Live, but if, uh, if the Aussies are up there, especially Cam Smith, um, I take a bit more of an interest. So I'm hoping for an Aussie double. Uh, to go along with the European Solheim Cup uh, victory. Okay. Sounds, I, yeah, sounds good. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't, I must admit, I wasn't aware that there was a, um, I thought they would have had a, a week off sort of leading into um, into the Ryder Cup. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the in terms of the Solheim, the, the junior European team have already got the, they, they got the win, um, I think either this morning or yesterday. Um, so they've already got a you know, a good omen on the on the board for the um, for the girls there. Um, yeah, I yeah, like I said, if Minwoo is playing, hopefully he he'll get some um, decent performance. Um, I did see him out and about, you know, on on his socials with again talking about before with the. Yeah, um, the Kiwi guys are here with Danny, Daniel Hillier and a couple of the other guys over there. Um, so, yeah, look, I reckon if – let's go for a, an upset. Following on from Foxy last week, I'll go for um, Hillier to to come from the clouds and, and take the take the bickies. Okay. So you're sticking with the uh, cross-Tasman, uh, trans-Tasman um, uh, brothers. Okay. So we've got Minwoo, Hillier. It's a, it's a pretty good field. Like it's actually pretty strong field. Foxy's back in. Um, I just had a bit of a heart sort of murmur there. Uh, I saw, saw a name on the on the um, entry list, S Garcia. I thought, hang on, S, S Garcia. He should be at uh, in Chicago as actually Sebastian Garcia, of course. Um, I did see that. Just going back to the Ryder Cup again, I did see that he made a, an attempt to play Sergio. And he was willing to pay all the fines that would have come with it, seven hundred thousand in fines. I don't know the validity of it, but I did see it going around on the socials that he made a last ditch attempt to uh, get a go. But I, I'm not sure his form would warrant it, even if he was playing more golf than than just Lee. But uh, that can be discussed next week if you want. No, but you can only take it on on how it's been reported. But I think you know John Rahm sort of. Backed it up. I think if he could have, you know, he, Sergio would have done anything to be in, in the team room, you know, as, as the water carrier or something, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, I'm sure he could say he would think that he was form was good enough to warrant 
you know, getting picked on the team. Maybe, maybe not, probably not, as you say. But, you know, if they said, Sergio, you know, you can come in as the uh, Spanish liaison officer, um, he would have he would have jumped at the chance to put a uniform on and, you know, get around with an earpiece in. Um, he just obviously loves it. But, yeah, as we know, we can only hypothesise about that sort of thing. Um, yeah, okay. Looking forward to seeing the golf national uh, golf in the US where where they've been this where does this autumn uh, fall season sorry autumn fall season where are we off to in the fall season on the PGA tour? Oh y'all, um, I think they've got they've got a couple of weeks off. A couple of so weeks off, got, so then back to October. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. They got Ryder Cup and then they've got um, Sanderson Farms at the start of the start of October. So all we've got is the uh, party hole at uh, Chicago Live Golf uh, to look forward to. So they're, they're reinstating the party hole. Big news out of Live Golf in uh, Chicago. I see Wade Ormsby's over there to fulfil his, um, you know, um, reserve uh, duties. But it's getting to the pointy end of uh, pointy end of all of that. You know, speaking to Blakey the other day, he's got the um, Asian Tour School out at Mount Derriman, uh next week, and he was just sort of running through the whole uh live prom- promotion relegation sort of system there so they'll have a little tournament there in the bottom four drop out and then there's another uh opportunity for players to drop out if the captain doesn't want to keep them in and some of the other um top 20 ranked uh players will play in a tournament to uh get those promotion opportunities so there's a bit to go um in the whole live thing but uh yeah if you're looking to watch any of uh, australia's best talent who are looking to make a way on the asian tour get out to Mount derriment next week I tell them the My Love of Golf um, podcast sent you, let you in for free. Actually, I don't think it costs anything to get in, but anyway, if you want to go and watch. Well side anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Dave, yep. you, you, you provide a great service to uh, golfers of Australia. You run some great uh, questions, you know, you probe people's thinking regularly about uh, some of the questions that, you know, pop up from time to time into your golfing sphere and you go to your massive following and you um, put it to them. So let's, why don't we run through, why don't we spend a bit of time running through what some of those questions are and you can pose them to us and therefore pose them to our massive global audience. Well, I've got one first up here that won't take much time to discuss because it was pretty one-sided. Is it pennant? I didn't ask this question. I give a chance for people to ask their question at the end. Is it pennant or penance? PK, what do you think? Um, I've always not called it the the plural, like penance. Mm. But it could be, it could be very much a you know, New South Wales, Victoria. Is it schooners? Is it pots? Is it palmy? Is it a palmer? Yeah, all those sort of yeah, lost in translation. Just all kinds of wrong on all three counts. Yeah, but, but the- exactly, schooner and a pot. You know, like well, a a schooner is a schooner. Yeah, you know, it's four twenty five mils. A pot is two eighty five mils. So they're two different vessels for holding liquids. So they're not the same. And and it's not like schooner or we're going out for schooner or schooners. We're playing pennant or pennants. Like it just drives me absolutely <laughs> wild when I go back to you know New South Wales and my dad says I'm playing veterans pennants. I said no, you're not mate. He said, oh, I'm playing pennants. No, you're not. You're playing pennant. You're only playing for one pennant. How can it be pennants? There's only one flag. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I just it says on the show, pennants. Veterans pennants. I'm playing for that. Mate, it's, so, it's not pennants. Okay. It's pennant. Phil, you're wrong. I think um, <laughs> you said- a 93, 
93% of people agree I, that it's in it. I don't want to upset any of our New South Wales listeners, uh, PK. You know, you're here to you're here to lift the <laughs> listenership in in New South Wales. You know, we need to lift in New South Wales. I love New South Wales. I, you know, we talked off air. You know, I know exactly where you live. I could drive there right now. I know my way around New South Wales, from West Wire along to Byron Bay. I've covered it. I love it. Listen to us if you're in New South Wales. But I'll tell you, it ain't penance. It's pennant. Maybe they're focused on the Giants uh, up and about. That, that's another game, Phil. It's called AFL. Australian rules. Go Blues. Um, go Blues. <laughs> go Blues. Go, um, go, Sam, go Sam Doherty. Go Harry <laughs> Mackay. Go Patrick Cripps. Go um, oh, uh, Jack Martin. Jack, Jack Martin. Uh, um, your mate Dylan Buckley as well. It's just occurred to me that he's got a couple of teams in there. This yeah. week, the Blues and the Giants. But, oh, Doherty was big last week. Huge. Shoulder popping out and kicking the ball to the guy that kicked the winning goal is brilliant. Jack, um, Jack Martin, we had a PK once and he, he was dressed resplendently. Br- he was absolutely cut like a golfer. Fantastic, as, as you'd expect. And, uh, we had him at uh, Kingston Heath one day he, and he had the cuffed pants on. And, there was, you know, and I, I'm not a Kingston Heath member, obviously, but the per, the... You know, the young fellow that took us all down there with the Carlton boys to play at Kingston, he was like, well, there's a bit of cuffed pant action there. I said, oh, don't worry about it, Harley, you'll be right. Just get, let's get us out there. But there was a bit of a nervous uh, energy from the um, the host there at KH when young Jack had the cuffed pant. What do you think of the blade collared shirts? Yeah, save it for Tiger. Yep, yep. Not great with the dad bod, just quietly. Um. <laughs> Next question. But, uh, you... Yeah, it's 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 up there with uh, sleeveless tank tops. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very bright. <laughs> uh, all right, another one for you. Would you score better if a pro hit all your drives or all your putts? Can I choose which pro? Because <laughs> I wouldn't take Scotty Shepherd to do my putts. <laughs> no, well, no. Well, or just just if you go average in terms of. Um, off the tee to be, I guess, average distance and fairways hit. And if you're just going the uh, – with a flat stick, you'd probably be going the strokes gain zero. Yeah. Um, I'd probably, yeah, I'd take the the flat stick. Roscoe? Uh, well, due to the fact that most pros I've played with have outdriven, um, <laughs> uh, I have to take the, you know, like – that question's actually been taken out of my hands almost because the pros that I've had the pleasure of playing with, they almost stopped me putting. They said, mate, don't worry about it. Just forget about it. You don't need to putt. Forget, put it away. We'll putt for you. That's how bad I go with the putting. So uh, I would take a pro putting for me all day of the week, second to chipping, um, and then and then I'm, then I'm okay. But chipping and You're putting. Okay from that far yep. Well, that was a genuine 50-50, the exact same number. Yeah. Um, Personally, I'd take the drives because I figure if I can be 100 metres closer, then I'm going to be hitting my pitching wedge closer from 115 than um, if it's par five, then being 215 out and struggling to get there. Well, um, well, you hold an average of 45 million feet of putts every round. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I get that. You know, I've seen you drain more, more footage of putts than I've sunk in a millennium. There was um yeah there was a good one last year at Pennant, which um which was on camera on the seventeenth hole, 
I, I drained one. Happy memories. Haven't haven't hit the middle of the club face, uh, putter face for a while. But your low, yeah, especially out at your course where it does get a bit wet, your low domers off the off, with the driver, mm. not 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 congruent, not not good for run. We're actually getting a bit of run back this week. Um, my mate Walshy, who, if you follow me on Instagram, he's the hilarious one that looks like um, like he's wood chopping, and um, he got one out there over three hundred on the weekend. It just kept on running. Um, someone said on Instagram that he had the top half like Victor Hovland and the bottom half like Dave Warner batting in England. He's just all over the top. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, he's a good man. Good man. Next one. If you're a modern-day scratch golfer, how far back in time would you have to go to win a major? Now, 58% of people said never. But I think if you look at old Tom Morris with the old feathery ball and four clubs and... <laughs> No warm-ups. The modern-day golfer with modern technology would at some stage win a major, I believe. Yeah. I would say, I'd probably say even as recent as, you know, probably the 70s. 70s? So rephrase the question. So so if you're a modern-day scratch golfer. Modern-day scratch golfer with all the modern technology. So how many decades ago would you have been competitive or winning a major using yeah. that versus them using the old tech. Yeah. Yeah. So you jump is in it, the Del- you jump in the Delorean and go back to head back. what yeah, what year? With your with your joggers and your blade collars and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. This now, is this is an interesting question because mm. you know, like I'm old enough to have played with persimmons and irons that had zero technology. And hickory shafts? Not quite hickory shafts, thanks oh, okay. very much. Yep. But might have been my first set of clubs might have been wrapped in some other material that made it look like hickory and had a leather grip. But you know, the Keith Knox R seven hundreds weren't laden with technology. Let's put it that way. But when I played my better golf as a junior, I was playing with uh, a Cobra persimmon driver and a three wood, and some PGF Aristocrat SBs, SB standing for short blades. So they were blades. I had a one iron through sandwich set. And um, I, I I played really good golf. Like and I, if I went back to Cessnock now with the modern clubs, which I can't do anymore because it's shut, but the last time I was there, I hit my ping G400 and my whatever ball it was I was using into pretty much the same spots as I was hitting my old ball with a persimmon. Hmm. Like... I used to hit nine irons and eight irons into the 11th, which I can't remember what hole it is, but it's a creek. If you're in Hunter Valley, you know it. You know, the 11th that runs down the side of the houses is a creek, a bit of a chute there through the trees. I used to love smashing driver. It was one of those holes where I'd love to smash the driver, hit a bit of a draw, get a bit of a run. I'd hit eight irons, nine irons in there all the time. I smashed my ping, whatever it was back then, a couple of years ago with my dad. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. I think, I think really I'm with you. But basically I'm saying I think you'd have to go back to – old Tom Morris times. Mm. The scores haven't improved that much. If you look at the Masters and take out DJ's win, which was at a very different time of the year and Augusta was playing differently, the scores haven't improved that much. Like Tiger shot 18 under. Um, there was another 18 under and I think oh, it might have been Spieth and DJ shot 20. But if you take like, Tiger's now 26 years ago, he won the Masters for the first time. So, um, yeah, so- you think technology is good. Getting a lot better. So what was, the, what was the population yeah. answer on that one? What do they think? 58% said never. Never. Um, yeah. The next most popular was back towards the 1930s. Okay. Yeah. 
No one, uh, no one, one, no scratch, no scratch golfer would beat Ben Hogan. There you go. Um, mm. Sorry. Yeah, hard to argue. Slow play. Ninety-three um, percent think that there should be a penalty at club level, but no one could suggest something that would work. Um, and, and by that, I mean there weren't several examples of the same suggestion. So I put up the question: Should there be a penalty? Ninety-three percent said yes. And then the next one was type your response here. And there wasn't more than three responses that matched up. So the most common was that they can't book in a time for the next week or have um, have to play with a board member or can only book in a time from Friday for their Saturday round or whatever it was. But I found that interesting just that everyone thinks, yeah, yeah, slow play. It's a big issue, but there's no easy solution. And I always find that slow play is something that no one thinks that they are culprits of. Um, We've just played our foursomes at our club. We played two rounds of foursomes golf in a six in six hours and ten minutes. We just flew round. Um, foursomes, wow. I believe, is quicker with three balls on the course than playing by yourself. So, Ross, if I was playing with you, I'd hit, but you'd be down near where my ball finished. And then while you're pulling out a club and getting your bush and all out and everything else, then I'd walk straight up towards the green. Um, unfortunately for my partner, he had to walk into some bunkers and, and hazards <laughs> like that. But, um, was that the segue for the um, about whether you hit driver over the water in foursomes? I hit. I didn't hit driver into the water. Um, I hit a lot of shots into into bunkers. Yep. Did, but didn't didn't you win? Did you win? I had a very good partner, Ross. Yes. Yeah, um, Andrew with uh, Andrew Bayless. I shout out Andrew to Andrew Bayless. Bayless, good mate of mine. It's just it's just a different level of golf. It's silly how good he is. The ball sounds different. It flies different and it stops when he wants it and it runs on when he wants to. And it's almost like there's a magnet around the hole. It's just a different level of golf. Andrew Bayless was an All-American at uh, college golf in the States in both golf and football, soccer. He was yeah, a goalkeeper. Yeah, good soccer player. Good soccer player, yeah. elite soccer player. Uh, shout mm. out to Andrew. Um, now, what was I going to say? Uh, the penalty for slow play at our club if so we have a marshal, um, you get reminded that you're you know, on the clock effectively and you get asked to hurry up. If you don't hurry up after I think it's a couple of holes that you are then asked to move forward to the next tee. So, you know, you potentially have to walk a hole. You have to pick your ball up and miss the hole. So you effectively reel yourself out of the competition and that sort of thing just to create the space that you need to um, – create for the players behind you. That's that's pretty much what it is. My old man once got a letter, an official letter with the club letterhead, um, and it was quite misleading because there was a gap of an hour in front of him in the in the um, on the timesheet, and the two groups before that had pulled out after nine holes. So there was effectively an hour and 15 minutes between the group finishing and then my dad's group finishing. That wasn't taken into account because they just looked at the time your score was allotted and one of the people in his group had pulled out of the comp. So there are only three cards going in an hour and 15 minutes after the group in front. But it was just interesting that some clubs find it enough of an issue to pick up and walk like PK or to write a letter um, and some don't do much. Mm. Okay, mm. cool. What else? I'll give you one more. As um, as you want. You two are playing around the golf and... Phil gives Ross a putt. Ross says, thanks, mate. Appreciate that and goes to putt it but misses. Does the gimme still count? Uh, what what competition are we playing? 
uh, you're playing a um, oh, well, it's obviously not you're playing a match in pennant. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. you're just playing against each other for a cordial. Okay, so a social match for a uh, a beverage. Yes. Yeah. Well, you go, Phil. Does, You've given me the stand. Yes. Yeah. You can't, you, yeah, can't un, you can't ungive a gimme. Sorry, Phil, go on. No, I was going to say, uh, in the, the social setting, you know the general rules, but you're not going to, yeah, know, basically yeah, give them a, a code violation or, a, you know, like you said, you know, put them on the clock or, or whatever. You know, and you're not going to quote the rule and the paragraph and the sections, you know, section three, whatever it is. So you just sort of let it slide. And uh, 73% agree with you there. Yeah. Well, in pennant, like if someone ever gives you a putt, like pretty much the worst thing you can do is putt it because you don't want to putt it, even, you know, if it's practice, which you're allowed to, you're allowed to putt, you know, you're allowed to um, hold the putt if you want after it's being conceded. But the worst thing you can do is have a crack at it and then miss mm. because I. He's never going to give you anything again. And B, your confidence just gets shattered. You think, oh, geez, he just gave me that. And, you know, next time you put it up close, you're sitting there thinking, is he going to give it to me? Is this a gimme? Uh, he's going to make me putt out. I missed the last one. All that sort of, you know, stuff that you should talk to Carl Morris and Jamie Glazier about. Um, if someone gives you a putt, you just pick it up, move on. You know, or bash it at the hole. And if it goes in, ha, 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 you know, if it misses, it doesn't matter because you hit it with the back of the putter. Pick it up, move on because it'll, yeah. make, it'll make the game quicker as well. There you go. I think I think pennant. Um, your pocket is a very safe place for your ball to be. Uh, and and well, if you pl- I want, after after a gimme that is. And, I wonder uh, how many people would uh, you know do do you accept the offer of a good good? I had one in my last match. Yeah. Mm. Did, and we hear that bloke that said no, nah, no mate. I'll see. I'll have a look at it. I've, Oh, okay, so a couple of quick stories. I was playing against uh, Hoops from Spring Valley at, kind of remember the course. It was about the sixth hole, and my caddy said to me, good blokes would say good, good there. And I was about four and a half feet downhill, and he was about four foot uphill, and I said, do you want to? And he goes, yeah, sure. And I took that. I was a bit of a plotter, I still am, and he was a plus golfer, so I thought that was a bonus, and I lost on 18. And then I was playing at Patterson River against Eastwood a while ago, maybe three years ago. And I got offered good, good on 18 and took it. And then I got good offered good, good on 19 and didn't take it. And I missed the putt. So um, that was good. We ended up losing that day six and a half to half leading into the final. It's funny what you remember, isn't it? So someone offered you good, good on the 18th hole. Like, 18th hole, yep. So I obviously think the deciding match, you know, to decide your match. Yeah, and he offered it, and I was further away. I thought it was a good option. And then I was thinking about what Nick O'Hearn said in his book, you know, walking up the 19th, and I said, oh, should I have done that? And then on 19, I reckon I had a little bit longer, and I missed my putt. And then he, calm as you like, knocked it in, and I played against him. I still remember his name. It's Scotty. Um, played against him in the final at Gardner's Run the following week or two weeks later. So you think, he um, had, you think he, by the sounds of it, you had your measure? Like he knew exactly what was going on? Oh, he's, he's played a lot more golf than I had, mm. um, and he mentioned it on the first tee of um, of the final, which which is what you do in match play. Do yeah. what you can to get in your opponent's head. Mm. Mm. Very good. But think carefully about good goods. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a... I think I might have offered one person good good, but it was an obvious one. It was like, yeah, just pick him up. 
Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, I'll I ask think, that question yeah. next week, though. Uh, anything else? Uh, Pilts, this is great. I, lo- I love this sort of um, stuff. We should do more. I've got a... Oh, I was just wondering, if um, if you break a club, not out of aggression or anger, I was playing with a mate who broke his six iron. Mm. I won't mention his name, right. um, David Round. Um, oh, good day, Dave. D- nice. but yeah, Dave. Dave, he's over in London at the moment, but he did break his club. Um, and it was the best shot of his day. He was having an absolute mare. We got to our 25th hole, hit a six on, and our eyes were just fixed to the head doing cartwheels down, down the fairway. Um, no idea where the ball went, and we, we just wandered up to the ground and found it. But he was holding his club and the head of his six on. What do I do with this? And we were taking photos to send off to people going, how good is this? So he was showing his lovely partner, Cell, that night. He actually jumped into bed, showed her the club, and, um, and then just threw it on the ground of the bedroom the next morning when he woke up he um had forgotten that the club was there and um i think it was eight stitches later and a big bruise like a cricket ball had hit him um he's hobbling around london at the moment on crutches due to this so if you break a club leave it in your golf bag until you until you make your way um to drummond's melbourne to get it fixed uh i can get the shafts out the bottom just a bit of heat bit of bit of naked flame Heat it up, belt the glue, the little tools in there, pull that shaft out of the um a lot of it, it's surprising how many people come in with the broken hosel when the shaft snaps, you know, flush with the top of the hosel and they think, Oh, I need to buy a new club. Well, why is that, sir? Uh, because my club's broken and look, the shaft's mm-hmm. broken and, and the, the, that bit's stuck in there. And you know Master Craftsman Flanagan. I said we can fix that. Oh, can you? Yeah. Yeah, we can fix that. No worries. Might take me half an hour. Oh, fantastic. The hardest part of all that sort of thing is usually it's an older club and the shaft that is in the club you can no longer get. Mm, so the, hard, the, the hardest thing is like matching up step profiles and trying to get it sort of similar to what was in there, which is you know usually past its use by date. So I did have one particular time someone says, oh, you know what? No, nah, don't worry about it. Let's just grab a set of those. <laughs> okay, thanks very much. Yep, that'll work. Yeah. He, he should probably get a new set as well. Um, he's he's riding high on Carlton Love at the moment. Just again, his name is David Round, the kind of guy that Go has blues. clubs that disintegrate. Go, Go Blues. blues. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention was there's a giveaway coming. Um, not only can you win a Bushnell by saying what your love of golf is on, yes. on um, the My Love Golf page, but also Clutch and Co and I are teaming up to hand out a voucher worth $250. Um, Dom and Hugh from Clutch and Co., um, have a new spring release that's just coming out. I think they've got a few blade collars and a few fancy um, new quarter zips. Uh, they've got some joggers, puffer vests. They've got a whole lot of new stock coming out for spring that's worth a look at. So keep your eye on Clutch & Co's Instagram and socials and, and you might win $250 worth. Uh, hell of a nice fella, Dom Tyson, and uh, doing great things, having his own brand. It's no easy feat starting up a, a golf brand in the competitive space that it is, you know, Footjoy, Adidas, Puma, Jay Lindeberg, all those big brands that you get at all the big stores. But when you have a crack and, uh, you know, put your name out there, put your brand out there and help, you know, various people, you know, like like yourself, Dave, um, it deserves a, a lot of credit. And Dom's a great fella. Uh, I'll take back what I said um, about the blade collars. Uh, reserve them for Tiger. Reserve them for Tiger and or Clutch and Co stuff that you get through D- uh, Dave and Dom um, because it'll look good on you. But uh, yeah, 
probably looks better on Tiger. But uh, good luck. Um, of course, uh, we still need to receive some more stories. Uh, we've got the Bushnell to give away. I'm not sure if we said we'd delay. Uh, we'd do it this week. We'll delay it next week when Scott's back. The Ryder Cup. We'll do the big Ryder Cup Bushnell extravaganza. Um, and I'm, I'm also brewing up another giveaway, uh, Phil and uh, Pult. There, there is, oh, there is. I reckon uh, I can pick that. Uh, in my hands, what I'm holding up for the people that uh, listen, I'm holding up um, a very obscure shaped book. Now it's the new, you can read it there, uh, Great Golf Courses of the World photo Golf Photo Journal book from Gary Lisbon. Now I caught up with Gary um, yesterday in between coughing fits and uh, picked up my two copies that I purchased from Gary, uh, which he signed personally. And Gary was very kind to give us a couple of copies to give away. So when we do the Bushnell giveaway, we'll then roll that into the uh, Gary Lisbon Great Golf Courses of Australia where I've got a couple of Gary's books signed by Gary um, to give away. It's an amazing book. If you love, for me, photography and, and Gary knows how much I'm trying to learn the skill and the craft and, you know, I don't shine a light to, to Gary Lisbon but, um, you know, he appreciates the fact that someone else is interested in his work and also the craft. Uh, so he was happy to, you know, support and do the giveaway, so that'll be the next one. It's a great book. It's bloody heavy. It's massive. Just, um, well, there's over 100 courses in there, 400 images from 20 countries, and the forward is by Ian Baker-Finch, I believe. Uh, that is correct. And, sorry, the important point, the reason why I went to see Gary is because I finished off a little bit of recording um, because I, many months ago I, I recorded an episode with Gary, which we haven't released, and once I got an inkling the book was coming, I thought I'll hold this episode until Gary's book comes out. So... Uh, this uh, week, between now and the next podcast, we're going to put out that podcast with uh, Gary talking about his trip last year where many of the photos in this um, book are taken. But it's basically a compilation of 15 years of his work. So the Gary Lisbon episode will drop uh, sometime in the next week. Um, yeah. Awesome. Busy stuff. Gents, that's an hour and a half of power. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Always, always with you, Ross. Like, like someone said a couple of weeks ago, it's just, you know, talking with mates after the, the 19th hole and, yeah, it's just easy, easy listening, easy talking and, yeah, always a pleasure. Um, you know who said that? It was Pultz. I paid him to say it. I primed him up. I said, say this. <laughs> no. Um, I'd love to have you guys uh, help me out more often because it just, you know, you are true, true golf lovers. You are the giveaway kings. You, you won anything lately, Phil? Um, you yeah. did, you have, haven't you? What did yeah. you What did you win? Give him a Give him a shout out. Well, funnily enough, it was non golf related. Um, it was a a company also based in um, Western Sydney, um, BAR, um, a pressure cleaning um, company, and I'll just so BAR Group. They got a, a polar bear as their logo, um, and yeah, so stubby holder. Um, yeah, hat, a t-shirt, and a and a beer glass. So always, um, always welcome. Okay, good on your BAR pressure cleaning. I need some pressure cleaning work. I've got a, some uh, bricks out the back on the ground that need uh, cleaning post winter. Um, if they've got an outlet down here in Victoria, they can come and pressure clean my bricks. Uh, anyway, very good. Pilts, you're on holidays, school holidays at the moment for you. Yes, yes. Um, I was out on the driving range this morning with my little seven-year-old who may have been bitten by the bag today. So hopefully he uh, keeps wanting to play golf. 
hit five or six shots in a row that got in the air, um, went straight, probably 60, 70 metres, and the look on his face, it just um, it just reminded me of what we probably take for granted now as more avid golfers, just how good it is to, to the, for the first time, sort of have an idea of what you're doing. So um, hopefully I can get him a set of clubs soon that's more suited to him rather than just the hand-me-down from a family friend. So is, that, is that the hippo? The whole, is that that's the, the hippo. The hippo, yep. good on you, hippo. Yep, that's the hippo. Good man. So we were out at um, Eastern Driving Range and he he was just nailing it. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed he can, he can stick with it. Okay. How young before they can join the junior program at Eastern? Uh, Jake, young Jake Fulton, the pro out there, has clinics and lessons all day on Saturday and in school holidays. And he's probably ready now. Tom's probably ready now where he can do that. Um, Jake does a really good job for all juniors. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a member of the golf club or have never played golf before. He's fantastic. What a sensational facility you've got out there, uh, Dave, to um, take uh, and grow uh, a young person's interest in golf. You know, you've got the range, you've got the two courses, you've got the great clubhouse. Um, yeah, you've got fantastic. the uh, little par three course as well. Nico yeah. Hearn was out there today. Um, little par three course and um, free range balls for members as well. So it's it's really good just for kids or beginners to uh, to get started and have a bit of fun with it. Golf crew, Phil, what's what's happening with golf crew? Um, it's still oh, the the guys in the um, the northern states. They're starting to wrap up um, the last few events. Um, they're, they've got a big, um, what is it, the national championships, the end of this month, um, which will be the, the long weekend, so next weekend. Um, that's up in, um, I believe it's the Palmer course. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so that's up there this year. And most of those kind of, you know, the, the, the crew finales wrap up, um, you know, sort of October, November. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, they've started up, um, also, starting next year in southeast Queensland, there is a um, a women's crew starting as well, specific um, up around the Gold Coast and you know, southeast Queensland. So that was announced the other day. But yeah, other than that, Sydney kicks off in February and um, and Perth kicks off, I think, late January as well. Very good. Well, if uh, you joined us for the first time or the 151st time, I appreciate everyone listening. Like, share, subscribe. Do all the great things that help podcasts continue to grow. We'll see you next week for a big Ryder Cup episode. Uh, Scott will be back. And uh, maybe I can coerce these guys to join us for Ryder Cup as well. Who knows? But uh, get your stories in for the giveaway. And um, enjoy your golf out there. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you. Play well. Play well.